When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until four, so. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, Discover must-see shows and hit movies. And get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Hello and welcome to the MMQB NFL Podcast. I'm Connor Orr. We got Albert Greer here. I'm in a good mood because I survived the most difficult part of the NFL preseason, Albert, which is getting my in-laws family through their fantasy draft. And Oh, nice. So last year, the problem was at the last minute, one more person wanted to join. So we were in a Yahoo league that was locked. Yeah. And so the draft was going on as I was canceling the league. Half the people are drafting in Yahoo and... I, I love everybody there, um, but we got some septuagenarians here. We got, uh, you know, so maybe not have... the most like technologically inclined people. Yes, great yeah. people, um, but um, you know, a little bit of work going on there. So half the league's drafting in the Yahoo, texting me, freaking out. I'm tr- creating an ESPN league here on the other side of the <laughs> other side of the fence, trying to get people who just figured out how to make a Yahoo account to make an ESPN account to sign up for it. So this year, I'm like, okay, if, we, if we're going to do this again, let's run down all the possible scenarios and let's make sure everybody's good. And everybody's good, and they say yes. Okay, 15 minutes before the draft starts. Two separate people in the league create two usernames. So of the 12 teams, two people have four teams and then it is blocking the other two people who didn't sign up when we asked them to sign up. So now the draft is again in five minutes. I'm trying to remove the extra managers. You can't do it. 
because the draft is technically live. And so then you have to use the league manager tools to shut down the draft, remove the managers, and then the draft goes in 15-minute increments. So you have to push it 15 minutes down the road. Well, some people can't draft in 15. And I was just like, I'm never doing this again. Uh, I'm so, very much looking forward to it, but that, I may that have your, is the, bur- I, I may that have is the your, barrier. I may have your solution. So Step down. My, uh, my son's playing tackle for the first time this year. And someone set up for his tackle team a fantasy league. And so I had to sign into it, right? Like, and so I sign into it and I'm like, okay, when's the draft? And Steve's really excited about this and everything else. We decided to just do an auto draft. Oh. And then, yeah, just go from there, which I thought was kind of genius. Just let the computer take care of it. Boom. Auto draft. Now you can kind of go forward and manage your transactions from there and, and work your roster from there. But yeah, like if if you're dealing with people who like like I like you said, like the septuagenarians might not be like technologically inclined enough to get it done. Well, like the eight and nine year olds are the same way, right? So why don't you get the eight and nine year olds, give them a team, right? So they have a team now and then they can work from there. So that's maybe brilliant. the auto maybe the auto draft thing is the right thing for you guys too. Oh, that's brilliant! Um, one more funny fantasy football draft story. We're doing our season predictions, by the way, our Super Bowl predictions, yep. our word predictions. So hang on um, for that after we get through with uh, all of our grievances <laughs> from fantasy drafts. So here's one more thing. This is just a story that is unique to people working inside of the NFL and also drafting fantasy football teams. So I am in a league with Mike Garofolo from NFL Network, who you know very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike and I came up together uh, at the... Well, Mike was well on his way to being famous, and I was like the intern transcribing his uh, <laughs> Keith Bullock quotes. Um, believe, believe Mike would have been Giants beat writer then, right? At the Giants Star beat writer. Yeah. Yep, I was an intern. He uh, he created my Twitter account. He's, he, uh, really? I, yeah, the Giants signed Keith Bullock, and he was like, you have to transcribe this for me. I'm, I'm, I'm doing something. And he's like, and just tweet out the quotes while he's saying it. And I was like, I don't know what that is. And I had to make a Twitter account. It was, it was great. So Mike Mike helped me out with that. So anyway, there is someone in the league with the username making fun of Garofolo, who I thought was Garofolo. And that person, right in the middle of all the Travis Kelsey stuff going on, took Kelsey in the first round. And so I am then my wife's drafting a fantasy league and she's like, what's going on with Kelsey? And I was like, I mean, Garofolo just took him in the first round. So I'm sure he's going to be fine. And then I find out, <laughs> I find out like 10 minutes later that that wasn't Mike. Um, and I've, I've kept the lid on that one. So I haven't really told her about that yet. Um, but uh, we'll see what happens with Kelsey. <laughs> yeah, hopefully he plays tomorrow and you won't have to deal with it ever. Right? Yeah. I was like, um, today she's like is, is for the record right? i don't think he's playing tomorrow but it would be it would be a, like an easy clean solution for connor here she's like do you think he's gonna play and i was like uh hyper extended knee doesn't sound great uh but uh, see is the team is the team name making fun of garofolo pretty good it's not like the hat is it no not because you remember that hat. like i think that was who was that that made that was that Someone made that account and it used to piss Michael. Like he like was like kind of like ha ha, but I think deep down it kind of pissed him off because it was and a good hat. Knew it. And huh? you know what it was like? Mike, Mike is is a stylish guy, and yeah. he was hanging out with not a lot of stylish guys. And I think that's the problem is when when you're taking your style to the next level, 
um, and everybody else is trying to stay the same, there's a frustration there because people make fun of you try to be different. It was a good hat. I eventually bought a similar hat. So, it was like a knit, like wasn't it like a knit, kind of like a knit cap, cap? But yeah, it was like, like a, a kind of like looked like a quasi baseball cap, right? Yes, it was like a hybrid between like a tweed cap and like a knit cap and baseball cap. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the the team was Garafold. Oh, um, I I'm not sure if I'm not sure what the reference is. Yeah, I mean the the last thing on the fantasy thing is the great thing about this job is everybody thinks that you're like a fantasy master. Like I was helping Steve's hockey coach with his fantasy draft over text last night, and <laughs> it's like I just got to give you the warning that I finished last in my fantasy league like every year with my college buddies because they're sitting at work on like you know a Wednesday or whatever, like running the transactions and everything else. I can barely remember to set my lineup on Sunday, <laughs> so oh, yeah. like this this idea that I'm like that that we're all like we all have like this like treasure trove of like fantasy secrets. Like, I mean, I obviously it's my job to know what's going on in the league and, and all of that different stuff. But I mean, I can barely tell you how the scoring works. So you might, I might not be your guy when it comes to that specific thing. I've gotten a D in most of my drafts because I keep taking a quarterback in like the second round. Mm-hmm. And then in like the fifth round, I take Anthony Richardson and and all the draft things are like, that's the dumbest pick. It's the worst pick. It's so stupid. I don't care. I want Anthony Richardson on my team, but I don't think he's good enough to be a starting quarterback. And okay. He could, I mean, he, he might could be have Justin a really interesting. He might be Justin Fields. You know what? Like, I I, I sort of think Shane Steichen's holding a lot of things back. Me and too. I sort of think, and I sort of think that, like, I'm not saying it's going to be Washington in 2012, but you remember that. Like, yes. where Robert Griffin, like, they showed nothing in the preseason. They showed mm-hmm. nothing in the summer. And then that first game, they were, they averaged like seven yards of play, scored 40 points, had almost 500 yards. And I think that there's a possibility that the first month of the season could look like that for the Colts. So Richardson could wind up, like, at least in the short term before teams catch up with it could wind up being a really good fantasy pick. So there's your fantasy advice from me. Um, if you're out there listening and you still think that we're fantasy experts after listening to all that. And then I'll, and then I'll trade him. but I just want him on my team now. Anyway. Uh, so I have our, uh, staff predictions up Albert, which are posted right now mm-hmm. on SI.com. And I'm pretty bummed. I thought I had a unique super bowl pick. But like everybody, you and me, (laughs) we have the same Super Bowl pick. Everybody's (laughs) got this Super Bowl pick. And we're not very original. We both have the Bengals. Nostalgia for 1988. Yeah. We have a Bengals 49ers Super Bowl on our hands here. Yep. Yeah. It seems like that's the consensus. It's me, you, Gilberto picked it. Yeah. I'm just scanning through this. But yeah, it's, um, I was actually like interesting because it was my pick for the Super Bowl at the beginning of the playoffs last year. And those two teams, I believe both of them lost in the championship games. Right. And there were extenuating circumstances in both games, right? Like the Bengals very easily could have beaten the chiefs in the AFC title game. If it weren't for the Joseph Asai thing. And then the Niners obviously have the quarterback injury that completely flipped upside down the NFC title game. So, 
Um, and I, you know what? Like the one thing I hesitate with this is I think that like this is sort of a stock thing anyway. Like it does feel like the teams that are the darlings the next year are usually the teams that lost in the conference title game. So I wonder if I'm just stepping on a banana peel with that one. But I like both rosters are loaded, you know, and the Bengals between I think having the best receiver group in the league, maybe the second best quarterback in the league. A really good backfield, an offensive line they tore, they they poured a ton of resources into, and then a defense that's come up really big under Luan Arumo in the playoffs the last couple of years. Um, I, you know, I I think the Bengals are primed to get back there, and they showed last year how sustainable what they did two years ago was. And then I just think the Niners have the best roster in football, you know, and they've been knocking on the door so consistently, and generally teams that knock on the door eventually break through. I have them losing in the Super Bowl, but. They've been right there. It's like almost like the Rams, you know, like the Rams were knocking on the door for an extended period of time and eventually kicked the door down. Um, I think the Niners have the best, most balanced roster in football. I think they have the most premium players in football. I think they have maybe the best coaching staff in football. And, you know, a lot of this is going to come down to what they can get out of Brock Purdy. So I don't know why more people don't. And I understand the Rams when the, their Super Bowl year were a little bit of an outlier, but why don't more people pick their preseason Super Bowl picks based on the quality of depth? And I know that that's something that's mm-hmm. sometimes hard for us to ascertain, but that's the reason I picked the Bengals and the 49ers. They're three deep at almost every position, yep. both teams. And now the the Bengals, you can say running back is a weakness. Tight end is probably a little bit of a weakness. And we'll see with that offensive line. I don't know. Um, but yeah. even even some of their backup quarterbacks were slinging it in the preseason and looked okay if Joe Burrow going to miss I mean, a few games. My 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 what cemented them as a Super Bowl champion to me was when I was there at training camp. And I was there after Burrow got hurt. And what the receivers looked like, even with Burrow out, and it was like Jake Browning and Trevor Simeon throwing yeah. them. You know what I mean? Like, And you watched it, and it's like, oh, my God. you know. And it was still without – like you take like the second – again, the second best quarterback in football out of the equation, and it, it, it the offense still looked like the 1999 Rams. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, And it was like, holy crap. And like what Chase was able to do, what Higgins was able to do, and they've got depth at those positions. And I'm with you on your other point too. I think depth is the most underrated thing when you're making your picks because you know all the cliches about the uh, pro football being a war of attrition are 100% true. Like the injury rate's 100%. Everyone's going to have injuries, and every year we hear teams bemoan, "Oh, well, we had this guy hurt." That everyone has people hurt. You know what I mean? Like, and so. There's an element of that where you almost can count on at least one like frontline cornerstone player is going to be out for an extended period of time, right? And there are probably going to be a couple starters out on top of that. And who can sustain the best? Right. And that's where the quarterback becomes really important too. You know what I mean? Like, because the quarterback generally is, if the quarterback's a guy who can lift up people around him, well, then that can help you fix that problem. That's what Brady was so great with. Like Brady could win with all different types of teams, you know. If you had an offensive line deficiency, the ball's out faster. If you have a receiver deficiency, he's going to throw it accurate enough where you won't need as much separation. If your defense is a problem, well, he can win the shootout, you know. Yep. And so that's the other part of it is like it's the quarterback plus the depth, and I think the the, the Bengals absolutely have all of it. 
the Niners will see. It's just that the roster is so overwhelming, you know? Like, when I was there, I was there, like, again, like, this is one of those where you pull a major part piece out of the equation. Their best player wasn't out there. Nick Posa wasn't out there. And you still look at it, it's like, holy crap. Like, there are just dudes everywhere here, you know? And uh, so that's why I had those two teams there. And I think, um, you know, I I don't want to sit here pretending I'm, you know, doing anything original with my pick. I think I picked the two teams that should be the favorites. Yeah, I, I agree. And I I don't know. I there's there's teams on here that would be fun for me to pick to go to the Super Bowl. The mm-hmm. Jets are a perfect example. And I'm not just picking on the Jets because I think that there's something within this example that you can apply to a lot of other teams. <laughs> Although picking what, on the Jets is kind of your brand. Picking on the Jets is a little, yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, but what happens if, and and knock on wood, I'm, I'm praying it doesn't happen. And so, well, I'm not going to name a name then, okay? Yeah. What happens if an offensive lineman gets hurt? One on that yeah. team. What happens mm-hmm. if two get hurt on that team? And what is the likelihood that two get hurt? on that team Uh, how many teams out there have their same five from beginning to end for a majority of the snaps in a season it's incredibly rare yeah and and oh there's so many teams like that too because the offensive line is an issue i think across the nfl development of offensive linemen is an issue um i think every team in the afc east has an offensive line issue you know every single one of them every single one right and then the chiefs have like no one talks about this the chiefs have two new tackles and it should be an upgrade. And when I was there, they were like, this is the best set of tackles we've had. But communication is really important up front. Like, how do those guys fit with the other three? Like, it's, you know, like, I, there could be a transition there. What I like about the bank, what the Bengals have done there is it was a weakness, no question about it. But they've kept throwing resources at it. And, like, I think the Jonah Williams thing is really instructive because they go get Orlando Brown, Right. They have Lyle Collins, who's hurt, but who's coming off of an injury. And it's almost like, you know what? We can't throw enough resources at this. And like, if we get a second round pick for him, so what? You know what right. I mean? Like, it's like, if we, like, what's that second round pick going to become? Like, don't we want to have that layer of depth here? Don't we yes. want to have in case something happens? And you know what? Like, if something doesn't happen, we'll figure it out. We'll find spots for all these guys. You know, we'll find a way to get our best five on the field. I I don't know. Like, I think that the the way the Bengals have just continued to throw resources at it, I think, is really smart, you know? Um, and no, they didn't draft Panay Sewell over Jamar Chase, you know, a couple of years ago when, you know, I think, you know, logic would have told you that it would have been the right thing to do. But they've thrown just about everything else at those positions, whether – it was going and getting Lyle Collins and and um, and Ted Karras and 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 Alex Kappa um, going and getting Orlando Brown this year. You know, drafting Jonah Williams where they did. They've continued to throw resources at it, and I think that allows for hey, if there's an injury here, we're going to be okay. Yeah, um, I think those are. And here's probably the second thing that I don't think everybody takes into consideration when they're making preseason Super Bowl picks is and you brought it up what how invested are you in your quarterback specifically Mm -hmm. and the Bengals are and it it shocks me to hear this come out of my mouth the Bengals are one of the most invested teams in the NFL in their quarterback now it took them almost killing two other guys 
to get to this point yeah. where they feel like this is the right right way to operate. Uh-huh. But here we are. And you can say the same thing about San Francisco. Now, Brock Purdy is a seventh-round pick, Mr. Elvin. But there is not a system in the NFL that is more friendly and more conducive to quarterback success than that one. And what they keep doing is they keep adding versatility, versatility, versatility. Brock Purdy's going to get vanilla looks on defense almost every time he steps up to uh, steps under center. Mm-hmm. They're invested in him, and they traded away Trey Lance. Like you know, people could say that's crazy, but like you want to remove that specter from the situation. Yep. You want to give, you want to empower him, and you've done it. And I and I think like it's interesting too if you look like at the coaching staffs, and so I I think like the Eagles of the previous iteration of the Eagles sort of became the model for this where they just stocked their coaching staff with quarterback people. You know what I mean? Like, so it's Doug Peterson who played the position as the head coach. Then you had Frank Reich who played the position as the offensive coordinator. Both those guys played in the league. John Filippo, who was a quarterback in college as the quarterback's coach. You had press Taylor on the next level after that. Like it was just the infrastructure there was, we are going to get this right, and we are going to create the right environment for the quarterback. And you look at the Bengals. I mean, you talk about investing in the quarterback. Isn't part of that their head coach? Like, I love Marvin Lewis. Marvin Lewis did some great things in Cincinnati. Marvin Lewis is a defensive coach. Having Zach Taylor, who played the position, who understands you know a lot about what goes into the position, played it at a high level at Nebraska. You know, there's that, I think like hiring Brian Callahan, hiring Dan Pitcher, like, you know, the, the the amount of resources they have tied up in there and knowing, hey, like we got to put everything in to making sure we get the kids' development right, I think is huge, you know, and they've empowered Joe Burrow in so many ways too, you know. I think it's a big part of why they're able to, you know, go through these off seasons where Joe's not in the, where Joe's not physically able to practice. And obviously that's not ideal, but that's I think that's a huge part of why they're able to ride it out because they're able to give him everything else that he needs to get ready. Yeah. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip off and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. From football playoffs to basketball madness, TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at Amazon.com. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learned something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. 
What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? My first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my, my game. <laughs> I'm going to run down. I want to spend a little bit more time on the actual end-of-season awards because I think yeah. that's where kind of the interesting conversation comes mm-hmm. here. But I'm just going to run down your playoff brackets, one through seven, one through seven, and then I'll yep. do the same for me. If there's anything that you want to make a point on in particular, just uh, just slow okay. me down here. But on the in, the in the NFC, we got San Francisco one, Philly two, Detroit three, Atlanta four, Seattle five, Green Bay six, and Dallas Cowboys sneaking in at seven. Looks like you have a pretty, you have a competitive NFC. You have a resurgent NFC in your uh, yeah. in your playoff bracket. Yeah, and I I, I think like the thing that um, really stands out about it is like it's just there's a newness to it, you know. Yeah, and that like you have Detroit in there, you have Atlanta in there, and I put Seattle in the NFC title game. I think Seattle is way more talented than a lot of people realize. And I'm not saying they're on the cusp. I'm not saying this is like 2012 all over again for them. But those teams were built on like them really nailing it in the draft a few years in a row. And it feels like they've now done that with their last two draft classes. The guys last year played a ton, right? Again, they had, I mean, regular stars, both their tackles, you know, Cross and and Lucas, Boye Mafe at defensive end, two corners and Tariq Wollin and Kobe Bryant, Kenneth Walker, the running back. And now... They feel like this group that they have coming in, which another is another group that's sort of buoyed by the by the Russell Wilson trade, with you know Jackson Smith and Jigba, Devin Witherspoon, Derek Hall, Zach Charbonnet, Kenny McIntosh. Like they feel like they've got the foundation of a really good team, and this is another one like sort of like San Francisco. I think San Francisco is the established talent. Seattle's the young talent, and a lot of it's going to come down to how much they get out of the quarterback. And I believe in Geno. I know that that's going to sound that that I, I know that's been the question all off season. Like, can they get as much out of Geno as they did last year? I actually think you know Geno's going to have another really good year. And just talking to the people there it was interesting. I may have mentioned this to you before, Connor. I uh, I had a coach there who I was talking to, um, you know, when I was at their camp, and he said to me, he "Goes coaching Geno makes me wonder how many more Genos there are out there." Like how many more guy? How many how many guys out there are out there that are like highly touted coming out of college, fell on their face to begin with, had to become a backup, worked their way and developed as backups, and then five years later, when no one was looking, were actually ready to become really good starters. You know, it's in, it's an interesting path. It's sort of the Rich Gannon path. 
I'm glad you said fell on your face with Gino too, right? There's something you know you could yeah, there was there were some other issues in the face there, and and that and that that wouldn't have been fair. Um, all right, so you're so you want me to read off yours and then you can react? I um, well, let me get your AFC one here. So you have Chiefs one, Bengals two, Mm -hmm. Bills three, um, Jaguars four, Jets five, Chargers six, and then you have the Steelers seven. I love that. Um, I if I had to do it again. I would probably have, uh, I probably would have pumped the Steelers in at the expense of the Baltimore Ravens, Albert, though. Very interesting. Yeah. And I, I, I really like where the Ravens are. This is like one of those situations where it's just, there's too many teams yeah. in the AFC. And I just, I look at the summer, like I would have put the Ravens in that spot um, two months ago. But I look at the summer the Steelers had and the ascending talent they have on offense and what they've been on defense and Mike Tomlin's track record and the eight and two finish last year and just, I I think that that's a program that's back on the way up, you know, and so I like putting them there. I, you know, you toy with the idea of an, could a team like that pull an upset, like in the playoffs. I had them against my Super Bowl champion, which was the problem, but I think they could be frisky when they get to the playoffs, depending on who they play too. Uh, and I guess the eye opener for people looking at this would be the Jets in the AFC championship game, right? Woo! You believe. Okay, so I'm with you on the offensive line thing, 100%. I'd be concerned about it too. I think people are so hyper-focused on Aaron Rodgers and the skill players and, again, the deficiency of the offensive line. They're missing where I think the Jets might have a better defense than an offense. I agree. They they, They go 10 deep on the defensive line. They're athletic up there. They've got a guy who's, I mean, truly elite. Like one of the two players, and we'll get to the other one in a second. One of the two players this summer, I went to 24 camps. There were two players who got this distinction. It is hard to practice when he is on the field. It is hard to practice when this guy is out there. That's Quinn and Williams. With all the athletes they have up front around Quinn and Williams, they're going to be able to wreak havoc there. They have maybe the best corner in football anchoring their secondary. They have like a true, like, captain at middle linebacker and, and CJ Mosley. Like, I think it could wind up being the best defense in the league. And so I look at that and I say to myself between that and Brees Hall, if the offensive line comes together, they don't even need Aaron Rodgers to be that good. You know what I mean? Like, and that sort of plays to how they were pretty good last year with a scarecrow at quarterback. You know what I mean? Like, so I just, I think this is a team that could really hit its stride late and then could go on the road and win games in the playoffs. Here's the other point, I think. If anyone watched Aaron Rodgers' drive, I think it was single drive in the preseason. I don't know if he did two. I don't one or two drives in the preseason. Look at the quick game with Garrett Wilson. Tell me, A, it doesn't look identical to Devontae Adams, but also tell me, B, it, it doesn't matter how good of a pass rush you have. That ball is out in .2 seconds. And I think that's what they do to negate maybe the, the lack of pass blocking talent i mean i'm i'm for it um but i gotta stay on brand here and uh i'll read you (laughs) mine albert this is uh i think if someone looked at my picks and your picks and they just had a cursory knowledge of football they would assume that we're talking about two completely different uh leagues (laughs) even though we have the same uh super bowl Super Bowl, uh, super bowl champions so my uh my seating in the nfc goes san francisco one dallas two uh detroit three Atlanta four, the Rams of Los Angeles. What I like it at number five, 
surprised a lot of people. Green Bay at six. There, yeah. Yes, Green Bay at six and Philly at seven. I think Philly regresses just a little bit. I think Dallas is still going to be pretty good. Um, so a seven seed for them could still be a 10 or an 11 win season. But I think the Cowboys might be actually pretty good this year. I like, you know, the Rams are just such an interesting one to me because they've been so consistently successful up until last year. And like they're going to be super young. Like that's the thing is they're eating $75 million in dead cap this year. And they're going to have to rely on young players in a lot of key spots. And I think the scheme adjustment too might make them hard to deal with early in the year. So maybe they can mitigate some of the some of the youth and some of the holes in their roster by winning with scheme early on because I think I think they're going to give defenses a lot of unscouted looks early in the year. Like I think it's probably going to be more of a gap scheme run game than than, than you're used to seeing from the Rams. Yep. I think they're going to empower Stafford more. Like you're going to see some Patriot hallmarks there. I think it's going to be a bit of a different looking team, which I think could have teams on their heels over the first month of the season. And look, like I, I still think from a play calling standpoint, if you look at the two two guys they have that are that 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 are talking into the headset, you know, Sean McVay and Raheem Morris are pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I just I I can't see how this team. If Matt Stafford stays healthy and plays 17 games, mm-hmm. I can't. And even if Cooper Cup doesn't, um, I can't see how they're like absolutely horrible. I don't, I just don't yeah. think it's possible. So I don't know. I have them sneaking in. My and Cowboys in the NFC Championship game. That, believe it or not, would be the first time in I want to say 27 years that they've made it to the NFC title game. Woo! I'm all for Mike McCarthy hanging on. I like Mike McCarthy. There's something I like about Mike McCarthy. I think I've said this before, but Mike McCarthy got the Cowboys job and said, I watched every snap of the NFL last year, and I learned a lot. And then they asked him about it in the press conference, and he was like, I didn't really do that. (laughs) And the look on Stephen Jones' face was incredible. It's amazing. What I like about what Mike's doing, though, like this year, is it does feel like this is a – if I'm going down, I'm going down my way. Hell yeah! Type of year for With him. With Brian you know? Schottenheimer. Yeah, so I am. Uh, I am fascinated to see the way the Cowboys season plays out, and we'll get a chance to watch them all of us. Even if you don't have YouTube uh, TV uh, for the Sunday ticket, everybody's going to get a chance to watch the Cowboys on Sunday night. Which it feels like. Doesn't it feel like Giants Cowboys has been in that slot? Like what is it? Like eight of the last ten years or something? Yeah, I wrote, and it was bad timing. I think it was two years ago. Uh, it was like November, and I was just in a really bad mood, and uh, I had to write something, and uh, I was just I, I was sitting down watching Giants-Cowboys, and I just said, I wrote, stop pretending this is a game that any of us want to see. Like, it's not <laughs> it's not a classic. It's not, you know, it, it's not the Red River shootout. Like, it, the, the, both of these teams suck now, and... Um, that that has since changed. I think they're both actually turned it around quite nicely. So sorry again to the Giants and Cowboys. Anyway, AFC, I have the Bengals at number one, my eventual Super Bowl champions, Chiefs at number two, the New England Patriots, Albert, at number three. Um, I'm all over How Boston about that? on this. I How am all over. That? I am big in Boston, baby. Everyone's loving it. Yeah. It's like it's like Tom Brady, um, 
Who plays for the Celtics? I don't know anything about the NBA. Who? J- Jason Tatum, maybe? Jason Tatum. Uh, who else do they have? I, I I cannot name two Celtics. Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown? Jalen Brown. Um, there you go. All right. Uh, <laughs> the you can go with David Pasternak from the, uh, from the Bruins if you wanted. <laughs> maybe a little Rafael Devers. Alex the, Cora. Is he still the manager of the Red <laughs> yeah, Sox? Yeah, he is. He all is. right. Yeah. All right. It's those guys. We'll see for how much longer. This is... Uh, I think the uh, the ownership uh, there at Fenway might be getting a little a little antsy, but we can oh. get into that later. All right, um, and then me. Uh, I, I've done some radio out there. I've done my victory lap. Big I'm Boston. Ch- I am championing this Patriots team. I believe. I think they're going to win the division. I think the AFC East is going to be a muddled stomp. Yep through the forest so i think everybody gets slowed down patriots have the highest floor number four another surprise team albert the titans of tennessee i don't think anybody's talking about mike vrabel's crew but i am i think they got one more good old guy fall left in them like woody harrelson and white man can't jump i think derrick henry's got one more run ryan Tannehill's gonna be okay Traylon burks can't be worse than he was last year and uh and the tight end is just he's crazy I mean, he's mm-hmm. uh, he's going to break 200 tackles this year. Yep. And then yep. Uh, to close it out, Ravens at five, Jaguars at six, and Chargers at seven. I'm big on the Chargers too, but again, so, it's health dependent. So you have Josh Allen missing the playoffs. Woo! You you have Josh Allen missing the playoffs. You have um, you Aaron have Rogers Aaron Rodgers missing the playoffs. <laughs> you have Russell Wilson making missing the playoffs. You have Deshaun Watson missing the playoffs. You have Kenny Pickett missing the play. Well, Kenny Pickett, the Steelers missing the playoffs. Yes. So this is interesting. I think the fact that you've only got one AFC East team and it's New England. If that happens, if that happens, it'll be an interesting <laughs> off season because a lot of those because teams I won't are shut up in. about it. That's why those I- teams are all like because if you look at that division, like. The Dolphins are all in for right now. Yep. They were in on Jonathan Taylor. They traded for Jalen Ramsey. Last offseason, they traded for Tyreek Hill. They've still got two on the rookie contract. So they're all in for right now. The Jets obviously are all in for right now. The Bills, like now there's a little pressure on Buffalo. Can they break through? You have all three of those teams missing the playoffs. Things could get interesting. I'm not saying we're gonna, we'd see like head coach GM firings. But there could be some shuffling of the decks if this plays out the way you're seeing it play out here. I I appreciate Nick Wright, who uh, is on Fox Sports, and he he didn't defend me when people brought up my Patriots pick. <laughs> Chris Broussard called it absolute foolishness um, on television. <laughs> um, but Nick at least went through my reasoning, which I appreciate. And then after he did, everyone said, so do you think he's right? And Nick said, hell no. But <laughs> but I do appreciate him uh, bringing my point. My point here is this is a high floor. This Patriots team is going to do no worse than eight and nine. And in there, you would assume that there are some one score games. Yeah that they're going to win. I think they've improved so, their ability to win one score games. And Bill O'Brien's back. This, this offense is going to go from the 25th best offense in the league to like the 12th best offense in the league. Mac Jones was really good two years ago. So I would say like, this is dependent on a couple of different things. Number one, I would say overall as a program, 
they had some stuff go wrong last year that they typically haven't gone wrong. This is generally one of the most situationally sound teams, yes. operationally sound teams. You saw bad special teams last year. You saw bad situational play. You saw the throwback. operational issues. Like you had stuff. You had stuff like they had trouble getting lined up last year. So this assumes that all of that gets cleaned up, right? It also assumes that Bill Belichick's able to help a little bit more over the top where last year he had to kind of babysit the offense offense a little, you know, (laughs) which I think is why a lot of those, like, like a lot of like the details they've always won on the margins. That's why I think they slipped there last year is because, because Bill had to babysit the offense. Right. So this assumes that that's over with. And then I think, you know, it also assumes that their formula, if they're going to make it happen this year, their formula is going to be defense and running game. And in a lot of ways, it's Bill again zagging when everybody else is zigging. Mm-hmm. And I, like I, I could see it. It's going to be shortening games, limiting possessions. It's going to be like Super Bowl twenty five for Bill yes, Belichick, exactly. right? The whole year, and that's how they're going to have to do it. And I would say that you could theoretically take a lot of teams out of your out of their comfort comfort zone playing that way. Because remember. Teams, you are how you practice, right? And so if the Patriots are this physically imposing team that is looking to shorten the game and beat you up and leave your offense on the on the sideline, like it could work because teams don't practice that way anymore. So it's an interesting pick, and there is a path there. It may be a narrow path because of some of the roster issues I think they have, but... I mean, they've got the personnel to have a really good defense now. Like, their edge players are really good. Judon has been a defensive player of the year candidate. If Gonzalez becomes, like, a number one corner, that could coalesce into one of the best defenses in the NFL. And, again, like, having Ramondre Stevenson in the run game they do would allow them to sort of mitigate some of the issues they had in the passing game last year. I like it. I'm, I'm, I'm so in on this. That I, I can't even I can't even imagine another scenario at this point. I'm going to be absolute, you're invested. You are invested. That's for sure. Like you can't. There's no backing down. No. There's no walking it back. There's. I mean, you are in. No. I am. Uh, it feels good. Um, I'm not going to lie. I. Uh, I'm. I'm ready. Boston. I'll be out there for a game. We'll do an MMQB pod tailgate with the only person who believed in you, and. Uh, yeah. We'll have some uh, we'll King have some, Connor. Yeah, we'll have some non-alcoholic mimosas before uh, before kickoff, which is just there orange juice, by the way. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m. Wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m. Grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m. Book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. 
Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano. And we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying cows are bust. You can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Demarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to do That's my, my dance, <laughs> Season awards. I'm just going to run through mine. We'll talk about them a little bit. I'm sure. going to run through yours, too. My MVP is Joe Burrow. I mean, if they win the Super Bowl, I don't see another way around that yep. one. Um, my offensive player of the year, sneaky one, Derrick Henry. Again, I think he has one more old guy season left in him. I think mm-hmm. they run the wheels off in Tennessee. I've done stories about how this guy prepares for a season. I think he's next to no one in terms of how he takes care of his body for a person that size. I think he'll be all right. Um, defensive player of the year, Miles Garrett. I uh, The Browns, their goal this offseason, and I'm sure you know this, Albert, was to attack the interior defensive line market and free agency and wherever else possible because Garrett felt traditionally that mm-hmm. he had no help, right? And that yep. he was doing this all on his own. He's not going to be doing it all on his own this year. He's got a lot of help, and I think that he just comes screaming off the edge every down now. So he's free up to do that. Offensive. Yeah, ro- I- oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Offensive rookie of the year, Bryce Young. That's a safe pick. Defensive rookie of the year, Christian Gonzalez. Again, kind of a safe pick. Comeback player of the year, DeMar Hamlin. Is there anyone, I, I'm not making light of this, is there anyone not picking DeMar Hamlin to be comeback player of the year? And so, if so, who right. is taking so, bets on so this? I will confess that I had somebody else in my spot, in that spot initially, and Mitch called me and was our editor, Mitch Gold, just called me and asked like if I wanted to keep that there. And I was like, oh, God, I forgot. But then I remembered. So my reasoning was I had Brees Hall in that spot. Mm. And my reasoning was, well, I gave, I voted for him for comeback player of the year last year. So can I do it again? And if you remember, like he wasn't really eligible last year or whatever. I It was whatever the however that thing reads or whatever. But I voted for him last year. So it's like if I already voted for him, then like can I do it again? And then Mitch was like, "Yeah, you probably don't want to get that deep in the weeds." So I just voted for Hamlin. <laughs> I mean, and and Demar obviously deserves it. it he does, it is, no question, it, no question. Yeah, they should just do like 
they should do two awards. Like if this guy even, and I, it blows my mind, if, if he wants to play football again and he seems like he does and he's practicing and God bless him, if that's what he wants to do, there should just be the DeMar Hamlin award, like you did it, and then everybody else yep. who didn't, you know, a, a, every mere mortal here that's just coming back from, and just in air quotes here, coming back from like yep. an ACL injury. But Brees Hall is a good one too. Yeah, and I think Brees Hall, I mean, Brees Hall was on his way to being offensive rookie of the year last year and his teammate winds up getting it when he got, but, 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 you know, obviously Hall, Hall tears the ACL. And, um, I do think like early in the year, it might take him a little bit to reacclimate. We've seen the history of guys coming off of knee injuries like that, but I think by the end of the year, he's going to be dynamite. My coach of the year, obviously is Bill Belichick. <laughs> so um, you have two Patriots winning the <laughs> award. So again, Connor is all in. <laughs> Um, I, I, I vote for Bill Belichick for coach of the year most years, especially yeah. during that 10 year run or whatever, tw- you know, and, and really the course of that 20 year dynasty, I think he only won it twice. Yeah. He was like, he won it in 07, I think when they went undefeated, right? It's just I like, want to say maybe it was 07 and 10. Let me look that up. Most years he was the best coach in football. And I understand that coach of the year traditionally goes to He's okay, won it three times. Three times. Okay. Oh three, oh seven, ten. That makes sense. Because oh three they went because it's a regular season award. So in oh three they cut what like cause everybody knows these awards are like largely about storylines. <laughs> you know, like right. as much as you hate to admit admit it, a lot of the like a lot of how these awards are won is based on storylines. And that was the year he cut lawyer Malloy right before the season started. And everybody was like, Oh, you know, like what's he doing? They're screwed. And then they went 14 and two. And then 07 was the undefeated year. And 10 was the year that he turned the roster over almost completely and went 14 and two. So, um, so yeah, three times, this would be number four. I'm, I'm excited. I'm sure Bill is excited. I went to Patriots (laughs) camp. I tried to let him know. I was just like, Hey, I was pointing to myself, and I'm like, Billy, this is all the one. In. I'm the one. Um, but uh, all right. And then my bold prediction is that someone actually fun and cool this year is going to uh, try to buy an NFL team, and the owners are going to block it. Here's the little peek behind the curtain here. So we did this two weeks ago, um, roughly two weeks ago, and um, because it takes time to make the graphics and everything, which um, uh, Bryce Wood who does our graphics for um, season preview, does an awesome job. Um, So I wrote in there that someone cool and awesome was going to try to buy an NFL team and the owners were going to block them. That was my bold prediction. My example was Jimmy Buffett, who (laughs) so unfortunately passed away a couple days ago. Um, One of the legendary great rockers, the, the, the mayor of Margaritaville and so what in our editor was like, did you like that was weird? And I was like, yeah, that was weird. So we changed it to Taylor Swift. Maybe Taylor Swift will try to buy an NFL team and they would finally let her do the halftime show, which they should have done a long time ago. Taylor Swift would be interesting. The one name like that, like I've heard a few times, everybody's heard Bezos, right? The one name I heard like once that was interesting to me was Zuckerberg and <laughs> like I thought it was just a fascinating thing because I think Zuckerberg is like like he's almost like like Lewis and Revenge of the Nerds. And I don't know if you ever saw the made for the TV version, 
but like where he tries to become the cool guy with the ponytail and everything else. Yeah, sure. Right. Like, I kind of feel like that Zuckerberg now where he's doing like the he's like challenging Elon Musk to a fight. You see him like surfing or whatever on that weird hoverboard thing. Like, so would he want to like burnish his like tough guy status as an NFL owner? Potentially. Right. You could see it because his name came up. I, the first time I heard his name in this context was like that the Chargers shouldn't move to LA. And, you know, like somebody said to me, it was like, like, yeah, like the, the, the owners wish like Zuckerberg would just swoop in buy the Chargers from the, from the Spanoses and build a stadium in San Diego. So Zuckerberg would be an interesting name too. I would like Taylor that. Swift also. I just think if you're a, if you're a group of NFL owners, you wouldn't want someone like markedly cooler than you to to yeah. be an NFL owner, right? And Zuckerberg is not cooler than any of them. <laughs> Taylor Swift is cool as Taylor hell. Swift is definitely like, cooler. Than like, can you imagine? Like, and Harry Styles doesn't have that kind of money right now. But like, can you imagine just Harry, like Harry Styles at the owners' meetings? How yeah. cool that would be! Or like, uh, does Justin Bieber have have NFL owner money? I don't I know. Haven't seen him Taylor Swift has to now, right? I, I heard she made like 1.5 billion or something on that tour. So she, I heard she clear. So that the weekend she was in Foxborough, she was up here. I heard she cleared 50 million for the three shows. Golly, it's unbelievable. Anyway, so you'd have to do you that. Get to my picks. You'd have to do that three more summers, and you could be the majority owner of like the, I don't know, Buccaneers. Taylor Swift owns the Buccaneers. I would love that. Wouldn't that be cool? That'd be awesome. Anyway, let's get to Albert's picks here. MVP, Josh Allen. Offensive Player of the Year, Jamar Chase. Defensive Player of the Year, Micah Parsons. Offensive Rookie of the Year, and here's where I'm going to stop you here. Bijan Robinson, make your case for that one. So I just think a lot of Arthur Smith is an offensive coach. I think they're going to use him creatively. I think you already saw what he's capable of um, in I think you already saw what he was capable of playing um, you know playing playing in the preseason and I don't think they showed a whole lot of what they're gonna do with him and if you look at Arthur Smith's history at that position, when did Derrick Henry's career take off mm-hmm. It was when Arthur Smith was put in charge of the offense. So I just think, you know, Arthur Smith knows how to get the most out of that position. I think B. John Robinson is a tremendous talent. Here's the other thing. He's not coming from like the most perfect situation in college. So in college, he had to be the guy every week. Did Jameer Gibbs have to be that? Maybe, maybe not, right? Like there are a lot of guys like that come from certain programs where it's like, they didn't need to be the focal point and what everybody's trying to take away every single week. Well, Bijan Robinson did have to be that guy. And so I think that's going to ease his transition to the NFL a little bit. You want me to just go to my bold prediction now? Yeah. My bold prediction is he's going to have over 2,000 scrimmage yards. Wow. Yeah. So what, like like 1,200? So that actually, I actually looked this up. That actually wouldn't break the NFL rookie record, believe it or not. Eric Dickerson in 1984 had 2,212 scrimmage yards. And Bijan, I believe, would be the fourth player to go over um, 2,000 scrimmage yards as a rookie. But, like, it's – like, I I just think he's – 
I think he's a unique talent. I think that he, I think as, as the season goes on, the Falcons are going to lean more and more on him. I think having Drake London and, um, and Kyle Pitts there with him is going to come, is going to stop teams from overcommitting to stopping him. I think the fact that they've got a first year starting quarterback in Desmond Ritter, it, like he's going to be the outlet guy for Desmond Ritter, you know? So I just think that there's like a lot of circumstances between who's coaching him, between who the quarterback is, between the other skill players there, between how his experience at Texas sets him up for the NFL where I just think he's going to have a monster year. Like I think, I, I think as a rookie, he is going, we're going to look back at it and say, that's one of the best seasons we've seen from a rookie running back in a long time. I like that one. I might be wrong, but like that's like the other thing is that position generally assimilates pretty fast to the NFL. Like Zeke Elliott won a rushing title as a rookie, you know. So I think there's definitely enough history there to tell us it's going to happen. And I mean, this is the case that I make all the time when I'm doing fantasy football, um, and I give fantasy football advice to anyone. Think about the politics behind any pick that you're making. Like, just imagine that your your player is part of a workplace, right? The Falcons drafted a running back eighth overall. Arthur Smith knows that in order for Arthur Smith to be there for a long time, the running back that you drafted at number eight can't be like splitting carries with Tyler Algier. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and, and yeah. I know that he's going to get all those guys, their touches. He's going to be able to get all those guys, their touches. But the politics of this is such that like, if you like the guy that much, it can't be like Trevon Walker, who again, I think was good, but is a kind of a positionless player. You can't, you can't end up having Bijan just be like a high profile decoy. It's it doesn't work that way. Right. Well, Trayvon Walker too. play. I mean, like you said, it's like a conventional thing to take an edge rusher high, you know? So it's not like there's any explanation needed on that. Like you don't need to explain that to your owner. You it know? is. And you do need to explain taking a running back there. And he was an edge rusher who could defend the run and cover, which is rare yeah. and, and valuable, yeah. but not something that shows up in, in the stat sheet. Now, right. Your defensive rookie of the year, too, is Will Anderson. And Mm -hmm. that one is interesting to me, too. What have you heard about Will Anderson during training camp? Because that, to me, was that's that's the pick that everyone's going to be looking at. So like I like I have heard from everybody in that building that he is as advertised as a person, as a player. And I think the thing about Will Anderson, like your question isn't who he is now. Like the bigger question is who he's going to be in five years, mm-hmm. right? Because he's another one of these Alabama players where it's like, where's his ceiling? Has he been maxed out? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a fair question to ask. But like we already know, like the guy's played a lot of snaps at a high level of college football. And, you know, like I, I think like his skill, the, 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 the ability to rush the quarterback is one that generally translates really fast to the NFL. Here's the other thing. It's who he's playing for, D'Amico Ryans. That system in San Francisco has gotten so many young players in position to, to produce quickly and gotten the most out of its defensive linemen. Nick Bosa, I mean, as a rookie, might have been the MVP of the Super Bowl if the San Francisco 49ers had held on against the Chiefs. Yeah. And he was defensive rookie of the year. And so I just think that there's like a real blueprint there for Will Anderson to have a massive, massive rookie year. I like that one. Um, and then your coach of the year is uh, is Pete Carroll. So believe it or not, this would be a first for him. 
Really? So it's the same thing you were talking about with Belichick, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. How Never about that, too? The two... Is, is Pete Carroll 70 yet? He's got to be. 72. He's, he's, I think, a few months older than Belichick, actually. So are both of our... Uh, both of our coach of the year candidates are in their seventh decade. Septuagenarians, yeah. See, we start the we start the pod with septuagenarians. We're gonna wrap it up with septuagenarians, right? Beautiful. <laughs> I think that's great. Yeah, I I do think we got to look this up, but I do think it's the first time in NFL history we've had two guys in their seventies as head coaches. But I, I'm not a hundred percent positive. But hey, you know, like me and you, we got respect for our elders. We got respect for our elders, and by the way. I did a story about this. I went to Patriots camp. I counted Bill Belichick's steps, and he's getting his steps in. This guy's walking like a mile a day just at practice under the sun, and then I called like a doctor who specialized in patients who are a little bit older. He said, I only get 10% of my patients to move like Bill Belichick. That guy's going to live forever. So, you know, Bill Belichick may have another 30 years. He might have another 30 years to break break the record, the wins record, you know? Yeah. I, I like I, I just think Pete, this is gonna be one of those where it's like a lot of people don't realize he's never been coach of the year. And you could look up in you know, December and they're trending towards eleven or twelve wins. And people will look at it and say, Wow, it looks like they're doing it again. They're developing all these young players. It looks like it did ten years ago. Wait a second, he's never won coach of the year. And it's like what I just said about storylines, right? That's sort of why I have Josh Allen as the MVP. Like, there's this story, like, the Bills, like, have sort of, like, it's almost like the country sort of flattened out on the Bills a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, the storyline is Josh Allen taking them and saying, like, look, we're still here. So same sort of thing with Pete Carroll, where I think it kind of becomes that thing where, you know, it's, people don't, people realize, like, this guy's never been coach of the year, and he's legitimately one of, th- I think, three coaches, right, with Barry Switzer and Jimmy Johnson, to win both national title, a national title at the major college level and a Super Bowl in the pros. And now he'll have built the Seahawks up, not once but twice, into a real force. So, Pete, I think you deserve it. I'm going to give it to you here. I think people are going to think, think the month of December could become a big Pete Carroll appreciation month. I'll put it that way. Hug your parents. Hug your septuagenarian parents. Hug your septuagenarian grandparents. And- and organize their fantasy drafts. And help them organize their fantasy drafts. That's right. Perfect uh, perfect advice to end this on. Thank you, Albert, as always. And uh, let's football. Let's do it. Let's go. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. 
Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? Uh, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.